last time on Dice Funk. Once upon a time, there was a terrible apocalyptic disaster that ripped through the Dice Funk world. It destroyed heaven and hell. It rendered uh, much of the known world uninhabitable. And some brave explorers undertake a perilous journey to climb the mountain, go up through the crack, and to explore Arabella. And uh, his name is Trayan Drenkesh. He is a monk. Gladys Antimony, who is a little kobold, and she is a artificer, specifically the alchemist subclass. So as we're going up this big uh, mountain, she's got a bunch of tiny little potion bottles dangling off of her belt. Uh, so the last member thrud- uh, trudging through this snow is Throg. Uh, honestly, sort of ugly, dirty, tarnished, uh, golden dragonborn. Uh, he's kind of draped himself, probably in the skin of an animal he killed along the way up this mountain to keep himself warm. Uh, by his side is a, you, you could almost describe it as the uh, bulldog of a drake. Uh, it's got a short, thick, dense body. It's relatively small, but obviously very weighty and uh, physically muscled. Uh, that would be Gort, uh, Throg spelled backwards. It feels safer to have like some kind of authority, but like it, it does hinder like the things that she likes to do, which is what like got her in like this scouting party position instead of like trying to do things on her own. She kind of considers Throg and Trayan to be like the big beefy boys that like she's standing in the middle of while she takes notes bunch of fellers got real heated and started stabbing each other. I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen, so no naming for the time being. I'm red, by the way. The easy answer is that he's trying not to hit somebody with his performance, and he ends up hitting somebody by accident. The question is, who does he hit? Who are you to lecture us? You craven species who hoards wealth? Is that what you're here for? We have, this is a new world. If you want to repeat the same mistakes of the past, I cannot stop you. But I think a unified front to make this a sustainable, livable world is best. If you do not believe that is the case, then we will take our leave of you. That could have gone worse. Uh, they're gonna go one way and you're gonna go the other. Uh, to the south, there's a mine. There's some people trying to see if there's any useful materials, but uh, None of us are metallurgists, I believe is the term. Maybe your uh, alchemy could be useful there, and you gotta check it out. You want an escort, or...? You obviously know the way, lay of the land a little bit better than us. If you don't mind walking over to the mines a bit, I think the company would be nice. It, 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 I, I would agree with Trayan, yeah. Is it meant to have human hands on the end of each leg? Absolutely. Yes, that is that is ah. mandatory. Yeah. Okay, this world is not safe for dragons. Let's go back. It's weird to hear. I've heard my own voice on recording before, but something about this sounds different. I don't know why. Just wait till you find out what mirrors do.
they make people who look left-handed look right-handed, so they're attractive for you, right, Dan? Well, no, that's um, that's called false advertising, and it's I find it very. Uh, I don't think the the audience is aware of this. I have a thing about left-handed characters in media. Can't stand them. Can't play a left-handed character in a video game. That's why I don't play Dragoon in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, you're not going to get a better explanation than that. Um, this is the most depraved thing anyone said on this show, and we've recorded with Mari for two years, so that's really saying something. <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with, uh, by the way, with Catholicism. I did not go to a Catholic school. I did go to Sunday school despite never going to church. That's another weird story for a day, a different day. My mom was also teaching the class. Very strange. Anyway, just don't, can't, can't stand left-handed people. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm escalating it. They're all monsters. <laughs> What what are left-handed people? It's like is it like one percent, like something like that? There's a lot of nice left-handed people. N- number one, I take umbrage with you stating left-handed people, and I did air quotes there. <laughs> it's ten percent. I looked it up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think last time we uh, we all decided to take a a ride on a on a friend um, with a I believe, with with a friend. I believe we decided to leave this plane of existence after seeing those monsters. Monsters? <laughs> they look like monsters to you. Oh, they're soft like a lover, warm like a friend. They're the perfect mount. <laughs> oh boy. Well, um, I believe the last time we were here, uh, we had. Uh, been voluntold to go south because the angels were going north and they did not want us following along after uh, our our dance-off ended in their humiliation. Was it a dance-off? It was a dance-off, wasn't it? It was a dance-off. You did some pretty sick moves. So you all don't fit on the Zorplak, to, much to Throg's uh, relief. Uh, I think the rest of the group is walking because you don't have mounts. Uh, but Red is on the Zorplak as you all head south towards the mines. Are, is there any conversation happening here? How do we start? What's the first image? Uh, it is quite sad to see the state of uh, angels in this world right as soon as we arrive. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean... We just saw, what, three of them? Uh, I mean, they can't all be that way, right? It is, a, how you say, not a good first impression. <sighs> I, I guess. I mean, I just... I didn't really, really want to start anything, and they just escalated the situation. And you, small one, you did not burn to death. Good job. And he gives a thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you. I, I call this a uh, good first win up here. And I'm just going to be wondering about what those angel folks are going to be doing from now on. We didn't even catch their name, but we know that they're out there now. I, I hope if we run into each other again, it doesn't escalate so quickly. Well... A rematch might be on the books, but for the time being, we're in opposite directions, so it might take a while, unless we just walk, we just keep walking south and just circle around the whole place. You know, maybe that can happen. You know, it's not, I'm not quite sure what the geography physics of this place are yet. I guess that's one of the reasons why we're up here. We could just, like, walk around and find them again. Who knows how big this place is, theoretically. Unless it is flat, then that will provide a complication. (laughs) If it's flat, I guess we would just find the edge and then have to walk back, which is 
interesting in its own right. Everyone always talk about Flat Earth and Edge. What on backside of Rim? <laughs> Maybe a second one. It's just Arabella wearing uh, sunglasses and a trench coat. <laughs> Arabella. Cooler Arabella. <laughs> <laughs> so you're having this conversation along the prairie. You know, you're going south along a kind of uh, Wild West plain. And you, in the distance, you can see some things kind of uh, coming up off the horizon. When when you heard there were mines to the south, you may have pictured... Uh, you know, underground mines. There are actually a number of different kinds of mines. There are pit mines, uh, which we saw in season five. They're just like big holes in the ground. Uh, there are, mm -hmm. are the classic, uh, you know, tunnels inside of caves mines. This actually appears to be an above ground mine or a surface mine, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and as you get closer, you see a number of uh, buttes or plateaus, uh, which are essentially like large uh, earthen structures that jut out of the ground uh, and, you know, several stories high. And there are a number of them looking, uh, you know, as far as you can in each direction. It seems like uh, this is a pretty uh, prominent feature of the geography here. Uh, and each of them have like different colors. Like you see them different shades of silver. Some are like almost blackish or grayish. Um, and there's just as far as the eye can see, uh, these large buttes sticking out of the ground. So that's, that's the first thing I want to br bring your attention to. I think that Gladys is like trying to draw these as fast as possible and just kind of admiring them, like asks the others, like, isn't this so cool? <laughs> and it's like one of the first times where she's not like kind of nervous about what's going on because she is really interested in what could be here. <laughs> A thing that often happens this season when I try to make up fanciful geography is I Google it, and then I just find out that the, the, the fantasy idea I had just straight up exists. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this case, uh, Monument Valley, uh, Utah and Arizona, they just they just have this thing. <laughs> just Oh, look at those. Oh, yeah, yeah, of oh, course. Oh, yeah, I've seen those yeah. before. Those, those are always really cool to see pictures of. Uh, I'm imagining... Th this place looking like that, but chrome plated, kind of. I I, I figure mm -hmm. that's not exactly what you mean, but it's a very cool image. I mean, you might you might be right. So what was told to you last episode was uh, like there's uh, all kinds of weird uh, metals and minerals, but they don't have any like metallurgists, you know, the people who study that. And you're like, oh, well, I'm an alchemist. I'm like, maybe that'll help. I don't know. I'm just a I'm a big punch lady. That's not my area of expertise. So we'll find <laughs> out as you get closer. But uh, the, there are these, just a bunch of these uh, what appear to be like uh, rock formations of different colors. Th Throg nods sagely and goes, yes, good rock. <laughs> we love a rock. Um, <laughs> Rocks are always worth admiring. Red says, uh, yeah, they're, they're nice to look at, but uh, people need things. Uh, we're trying to build houses. We're trying to get, you know, swords and shovels and metal things and uh, we don't know our silver from our selenium. It's kind of a, a problem. Marcelinium? Selenium. Selenium, okay. From, uh, from our selenium. I, I, she kind of slurred her words. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 selenium's everyone's, uh, you know, favorite, uh, yeah, non-metallic element, right? Is that? 
Well, well, before we start talking about Selenium out of character, I think we're going to need to roll nature for see what you know about Selenium in character. Okay. Sure, I'll, I'll roll a nature check. I, I will also do that. Treyan uh, rolls a, a seven. Just an 11. Middle of the road. On, on, only an 11? I have a plus eight to nature. Oh, no, a 13. Yeah, damn. Uh, not great. And I, I think that can make some sense. You're a bit of a distance. Uh, and just a truly shocking amount of base metals are silvery-ish in color. Uh, the periodic table has, you know, over 100 elements. And so many of them are indistinguishable to the, to the naked eye. Uh, so that, that, that makes some sense that you're like, yeah, these are, these are base metals. That's the thing I'll give you for being above average. Uh, not uh, precious metals, not gold and silver. Uh, but rather a bunch of uh, less economically valuable things, uh, but still having huge chunks of them. And each of the the, the plateaus seems to be made of a different one. Uh, but you're going to have to do more work to identify and make useful these resources. I mean, they're pretty, all right. Ain't don't know much about it. It's probably nothing to put in my own little trough. I got in my duffel bag here, though. Did you say that each of these plateaus looks to be a different kind of metal, or it's all, all just sort of mixed together? Each individual butte seems to be made of a different metal than the butte next to it. But within any given butte, it seems to be one type, mm -hmm. which is very strange. Usually, uh, you know, naturally occurring geography has like ores and veins of things within other things and then there are like layers of of you know crust but this this is not the case here all right throg finds this a little bit suspicious granted he doesn't know much about this world and has already seen a horrible skin monster um <laughs> so who knows maybe maybe that's just how it works here uh but it it reminds me a bit of a a termite mount all piled up together. Oh yeah, I can see that. Wait, so you're saying there's like metal termites or something? Uh, Throg shrugs. I do not know. I wouldn't have expected to see an eight-legged uh, hand skin monster earlier, but there, we, here we are now. Hmm. Metamites or something, huh? Okay. This world is full of horrifying, endless possibilities. <laughs> well, speak of the devil. Looks like we got ourselves a situation. And she points, uh, you know, off in the distance where there appears to be some figures who are engaged in some sort of confrontation. Uh, as you get closer, uh, Red explains who these people are. Uh, one is very large. As you get closer, uh, you see that, the, you know, they're dominating uh, <laughs> the kind of conversation that appears to be happening. Uh, they have a number of arms and a number of heads. Uh, and Red says... Yeah, that's that's Rex. He's a oh shit. I hate saying that. A hecka, oh fuck. A hecka tonka attack. You a hecka tonkeries. <laughs> They're some kind of a giant. They get like a hundred hands and a, a fifty heads or something. Uh, poor guy. He came up here with some other giants, but they didn't make it up the mountain. Oh, so he he has an unrelated number of limbs to the creatures here. He's not from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Red says, yeah, uh, it's one of them giant folk. You know, they got fire giants, ice giants, ground giants, sky giants. This is a, I don't know, hand giant. 
Ah, my favorite element. <laughs> Speaking of the periodic table, favorite element hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hand, handonium is a uh, is a delightful element. Okay, I'll let you know. Oh no, wait! He's an alloy. He has extra heads. As you approach, you see that this Hecatonkeres, which is the kind of giant this is, uh, is an engaged in some kind of animated argument with uh, three humanoid figures. Uh, once again, as you get closer, Red explains, yeah, those are elves. Uh, there's some kind of regular elf. There's a drow and then one of the... Eladrin? Consarnet. Eladrin. Thank you. Uh, it's one of them fancy elves. Uh, them, some of the folks I, th I threw out of the central settlement, they wanted to, uh, well, they wanted to name the place after their place, and some folks took exception to that. The elves and the dwarves and the orcs have history, so they were, they were pushy about, uh, their whole thing, and knives came out, so they had to go. I see, I see. Writing my notes. Seems like a lot of folks have been just trying to make their stake and uh, take claim really quickly around here. Well, it's a good time for it. Nothing, nothing has anybody's name on it yet. True that, true that. Uh, well, I guess we might as well see what the argument's all about over there. As you approach the argument, you get a better look at the people involved. Obviously, the big one, the Hecatonkeries, has dozens of arms with many giant-sized weapons. Um, some ones that catch your eye are a giant flaming greatsword and a double-sided axe or labrys rhymed with frost, uh, which uh, you believe probably belong to the party members that Rex has lost along the way, uh, the frost and uh, fire giant respectively. Um, the person who is <laughs> the main uh, focus of his ire right now is the Eladrin. Um, Eladrin have a number of different kind of characteristics throughout different editions of D&D, &D, but uh, she is a seasonal Eladrin, so she can kind of flip between different uh, forms. Right now she is in her summer form, so her hair and skin and eyes are golden, and as she shouts, she gives off like sparks and embers. Um, she is very angry, and that is reflected in, in this kind of the heat of the summer sun she is channeling. Um, her whole eyes are golden, by the way, because Eladrin don't have any whites in their eyes. Uh, so that's her. She doesn't have any kind of weapon readied. Um, you see the wood elf, or, you know, the, the traditional, uh, Legolas style elf has a musical instrument, which appears to be a piccolo. Um, so you assume she's a bard. She has kind of colorful uh, clothes with like ruffles and so forth. It's giving a lot of vo bard vibes. So that makes sense. And then there's the drow uh, who is dressed in a lot of um, kind of scary looking clothing. Uh, they seem to have like religious significance. Uh, specifically the helm he is wearing is made of like black metal and has like spikes on it. It looks very villainous. In fact, can I get wisdom saving throws uh, for noticing the helm? Mm -mm. Ah, a four. Uh, that would be a 23 for Treyen. I got a four. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, this is this is a great way to start because uh, uh, this the effect of this helm is that uh, the status effect fear 
is inflicted on Gladys and Throg as you approach. Uh, this this uh, helmet just makes you feel very uh, like sick to your stomach and bad, and you don't want to approach uh, this this drow, this dark elf. Uh, Trayan, you you can take the lead here. Uh, you see, like Red looks nervous. The Hecatonkeries is is twenty feet tall, and these three elves are you know heavily armed and seem competent if they made it up the mountain. I, I will say that Train is like oblivious to the fear effect. He's just he just doesn't realize that there's a fear effect going on. He's just sort of like walking on over, arms just sort of crossed uh, across his chest. And he just sort of says, "Is there any sort of problem happening around here?" Uh, the the Eladrin wheels around on you. Uh, you know her hair flying a bright red, and then she sees there is a group of dragonborn, and she takes a moment, and you see this effect that she has, which is to change into another seasonal form, and her her hair and, and body and eyes all become uh, autumnal, a kind of a, a pumpkin spice elf, if you will. Uh, just like trying to sort of like blinks a few times as the at the color change and looks at himself like uh i i'm not sure if that's a elf greeting but i stuck with the color i'm on right now so you'll have to forgive my rudeness there the everyone turns and looks at this this party who has just arrived uh and the the eladrin uh, addresses you trayan because you're, you're taking the lead as the one who's not uh, afraid of being attacked uh, and she says this giant fool thinks that we will just surrender these lands because he is taller than us. Can you imagine the arrogance? Uh, Trey just sort of looks up at Rex a little bit and then just sort of blinks a few times like, wait, surrender this land? I mean, does anyone even own these lands? Uh, Rex, the, the Hecatonkery, just says, Land's mine. Claim for giants. Trayan's reaction to a giant claiming that this is being taken claimed uh, for the giants is a bit more of an eyebrow raise. And he will say, well, uh, I, I don't know much about uh, these these elves claiming this land, but I'm pretty sure that it's not a great uh, idea for um, for you to just be saying that this is owned by the giants, uh, no offense, but uh, it just seems like anyone owning this is kind of a weird and silly thing to be worried about. Throg will sort of turn to, to this giant man and go, um, uh, you are claiming these lands, but how will you tend to them? Are you a miner? No, I am Rex, Scalebreaker. I am adult, not miner. Do you? Uh, I see what he's done there. Very funny. Um, rephrasing, and he'll he'll be saying all of this in giant because uh, Throg can speak giant. Um, oh, sick! Why does uh, Throg know so many languages? Just just does. <laughs> uh, I guess he's the does. oldest member here. Maybe he learned over time. Yeah, he's in his sixties. He there is whatever the equivalent of sixties is for Dragonborn in this world. He, he he's learned how to speak some things. Um. He goes, friend, you you have a, a bunch of metals here. How are you going to process it? Do you know how to extract the ore? 
this is a great line of questioning because Rex like uh, cocks a couple of his heads. He has like half a dozen heads on his neck that all kind of uh, speak to, in one voice. Um, and it, it looks very like there's a wide range of confused facial expressions he's all making at you um, because it had not really occurred to him that any of that was important. <laughs> um, and he says, does not matter. <laughs> Metal's mine. <laughs> uh, throw Friends, you remind me of story. Man travels into dragon's cave, slays the dragon within intent of taking his gold. He reaches the cave and slays the beast. Within there are piles and piles of treasure, but he is far from home. There is no way he can transport thousands of pounds of gold, no one to sell it to. This is the position you are in. You have access to resources. And nothing to do with them. Uh, roll persuasion with advantage for telling a cool story and speaking in giant. Okay, let's see. I got a minus one here. Uh, I got, let's see, a seven for the first roll and a six for the second. It's <laughs> not a cool enough story. <laughs> Even with advantage, uh, that's very funny. Um, I think uh, Rex like leans down to you, and you can see uh, his various arms, uh, which are just sprouting out of his torso at all strange angles, um, are covered in what appear to be tattoos, like little hash marks. Um, and Rex says, Not impressed, story man. Me eat dragons like you. I think Throg sort of shrugs and just says, if you believe that you can defend your resources and keep them and do something with them, that is up to you. But what happens when you have to leave this place? You are but one man. Hmm. I think the Eladrin, uh, who is now in the uh, autumn or fa fall form, uh, turns to you and just says, Save your breath, Dragonborn. This guy is, he's got a hundred heads and no brains. Uh, you see all those little marks? That's every dragon he's slain. He, I don't think you're going to win this one. If um, Rex here has his plans, um, what do uh, the you guys elves have plans for this place? May, like it, Looking like at either of the ones who are not the scary like dragon not a drow helmet person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the drow is kind of standing in the back, uh, just like smiling broadly at the effect uh, he's having on you, which is that none of you can make eye contact with him. Um, but the, the <laughs> uh, but the, but the Eladrin uh, turns to you and uh, like holds out a hand as if to shake it and says, "Justine, by the way." Gladys will um, tentatively, but she will like go reach out to like shake justine's hand uh Gla gladys justine fields points to herself points to the elf with the piccolo sid points to the drow with the helmet bronco uh we are here i assume for the same reason you are which is uh to clear the way for the migration of communities who don't have clean drinking water or hunting grounds or education Something like that, yeah. We we are we are here to uh, learn what we can about this place, see if it's good for dragons. 
Unfortunately, uh, and she's like looking over her shoulder at Rex, uh, I understand gi- giants and dragons go some ways back. Uh, I don't feel like that's going to change up here. Uh, she actually reaches down behind um, like a rock and picks up her weapon, which is a very large axe, a, a kind of two-handed executioner's axe, which the blade is like strangely iridescent, like uh, the inside of an abalone shell, uh, and the light glints off it in a really dizzying way. Um, and as she does, she kind of looks sad, and uh, her skin turns blue, and her hair turns blue, and she enters her winter form. Um, as she, you know, she kind of contemplates inevitable violence with Rex. Now that you've you have failed your uh, persuasion check, uh, and Red says, "All oh, beans." <laughs> Guess there's no other way out of this situation now, is there? It 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 doesn't it doesn't look like it, unfortunately. Rex points at uh, the two dragonborn specifically, nobody else, and. <laughs> Only dragons count. Uh, and uh, scratches like two tally marks on his arm. Uh, it, not not yet tattooed, just provisionally to ma- see where the, the marks will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Throg will point at Rex and say, I will give you one chance to cease these actions. I mean you no harm. If you continue, that will change. All right, that sounds like a classic intimidation role that we're set up for here. Yeah, that's a four. Oh, what? What is with all these low rolls? Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we took two bites at the apple, and uh, sadly, just the rolls aren't doing it today. Roll initiative. God damn, six. <laughs> 18 for Treyan. All right, Treyan, you're up first. Uh, you're, the, you know, the monk. You're fast. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, same gesture as before, shrugging off the backpack and duffel bag, setting them aside, uh, getting him into his, uh, uh, getting into the sway, as it were, before he just sort of glances up to, you know, the very intimidating big giant and then dashes on in to attempt to, uh, prevent this thing from escalating out too much with his first uh first attack that's a 27 sweet merciful christ and uh you know as per usual first attempt uh he's going to attempt a stunning strike he's going to attempt to stun block this <laughs> this boy on the first go here so uh make that constitution saving throw uh versus 16 uh 25 holy shit all right so yeah so no stunning strike on that i'm not gonna fish for it in this case here so train attempts to stun the the giant to no avail but still does 11 damage on the first attack um these attacks are all doing uh in inspired by seeing the eladrin in the summer form these are all fire uh damage for the sequence here Second attack is a crit. Um, so that's only nine damage, unfortunately. Um, he's going to burn off a second key to do flurry of blows and uh, 25 and another crit. <laughs> so that's an additional seven and nine. So a total of 20, uh, 34 damage all fire on Rex as Trey and, you know, just 
just springs up, does a flurry of kicks, plants his hand on the ground before uh, landing entirely, and just does sort of a spin on his hands to do two more kicks, landing back in a swaying posture nearby Rex while ga- gazing up at him with a bit of a playful smile because for him, you know, fights are just kind of times to play around and, and dance. Uh, I have a reaction I'd like to use here, actually, uh, in in reference mm. to what he's doing. So Gort has a power called Infused Strikes. Uh, when another creature within 30 foot of the drake that it can see hits a target with an attack, uh, that drake infuses the strike with its essence, causing the target to take an extra 1d6 damage uh, of the dr- drake's draconic essence, which in this case is fire. I see. Are you, are you doing that on one of the attacks that crits? Sure. So that's five damage. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then again? And then let's do roll this again. Oh, ignore that. That's uh, That's me hitting the wrong button. Uh, so 10 damage so that's 44 fire damage um, in that sequence that's an awesome turn yeah I think you know you tried you failed the stunning strike so you're like trying to hit pressure points and there's just so many joints so many muscles on this creature because of all the different arms that you can't find the right ones but then you just start breaking bones you're just punching them like in the back of the you know elbows and snapping them and then uh, Gort runs up and just starts ripping the limbs off as they're as you're breaking them because uh, this guy has a lot of arms to spare mm-hmm yeah, he's punching him with his with his feet, you know, the best kind of punches, you know. <laughs> um, at the end of your turn, uh, legendary action. This is a, a very high level nice. giant. So your your feet are, you know, flaming. You have burning kicks as you are tearing into this guy along with uh, the Drake companion. Uh, and one of the hands has a, a large uh, great sword in it, which bursts into flames. Uh, to match yours, and it's going to try to swing at you. In fact, it's a two-handed sword, so two of the hands in tandem mm. swing at you. Uh, 21. Wow, that does hit by one, so... Uh, 12 damage. The, the big <laughs> okay. The big flaming blade catches you, uh, at, you know, at the end of your combo string. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what kept him from being stunned. He was able to break out of the combo before he was dazed, so very nice. You can burn half your meter to, to end a combo. <laughs> right. Um, and we are at Gladys. All right. Um, t- talking is a free action, right? Sure. Yeah, like, because I've been having, like, uh, Gladys is, a, like, as this fight starts, like, Gladys wants to look toward um, Justine is the Eladrin, right? Correct. And, and ask, like, are, are we... Also fighting each other, or are we together on this? Justine says, why, do we have a problem? Not at all. I just want to make sure there's not more problems. I think you're having this interaction on, like, one side of the fight, and in the background you just see uh, Treyan, like, spinning through the air. This is just, like, a sight <laughs> gag I have. Uh, and, like, Rex is roaring in pain, but also kind of excitement for the fight. He says, such power. Reminds me, bronze dragon, ancient. I slayed him, torn both wings off in flight. <laughs> and and then in the foreground, Justine just turns to you and says, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think we have anything more important to be doing right now than stopping that guy." <laughs> All right, just making sure we're on the same page. 
And with that, I think Gladys is going to see if she can hit Rex with an acid arrow. 21. Absolutely. All right. And then I th- I think since I have alchemal- alchemist supplies, I can add plus five to acid damage. So I'm going to roll that and then do the math. We love to do the math here. Oh, yeah. It adds that for me. So 20 acid damage as I think because she already has a crossbow. She's not using the crossbow, but I imagine acid arrow is like an acid-coated, like, bolt of the crossbow for flavor, if that's all right. Yeah, whatever you want. All right, she just dips that uh, crossbow bolt into the acid and then flings it. All right, legendary action at the end of your turn. Uh, this The fight with uh, Trayan is happening in one direction, but uh, the Hecatonkeries has arms sprouted off his back. And so without even looking back, the, one of the arms holding a huge... A, a like uh, a wand uh, swings at you, crackling with all kinds of magic, um, and it does a like a blast at you. Uh, constitution saving throw. Twenty one. Yes, you only take Oops, ten five damage. damage. Five damage. You succeed. Uh, yeah. So the 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 wave of force uh, pushes against you, uh, but you are not blown off your feet. Uh, and those were legendary actions, so it is actually now Rex's turn, um, and he has a, a big uh, fiery sword he's going to attack Tran with, and a big uh, axe. It's actually a double-sided axe. Uh, it's called a labrys, which uh, is fr- uh, frosted over, and that one is going to strike out at Throg. So, 27 and 25. Yep. Yep, they, those both hit, I think. <laughs> 11 and 14, respectively. Uh, he can fight Ooh. everyone here at once. <laughs> All right. Treyan, that's another uh, that's another flaming sword across your broadside. And Throg, you get the ice axe. Um, and he, that now it is uh, NPC's turn. And so I want to say that the, all the elves join in. Uh, Justine has this executioner's axe. She runs over and starts hacking at him. Uh, the elf with the piccolo plays a, a song and plays back the, ex- the explosion, the uh, shatter, uh, which blows off an arm of, of the Hecatonkeries. And then the drow with the scary helmet uh, just uh, does another uh, acid arrow, the, the spell that you did, and then looks over at you and kind of just smiles uh, at you uh, in a clear attempt to unnerve you, uh, Gladys, just like... It, it, this person is being a, a little shit. <laughs> I, th- I think Gladys is just effectively unnerved. If her eyes could like boggle out of her face a little bit, they kind of do that. I don't know how lizards show they are afraid. Uh, okay. Uh, so first off, bonus action. So uh, the way Gort works mechanically is that he goes immediately after I take my turn. Uh, but if I want him to do anything other than dodging or taking a reaction, uh, he I have to give a bonus action to make him attack. Uh, so that's what I'll be doing. Bonus action, he t- attacks after me. Uh, and then I am going to attempt to stab uh, this big man with my spear twice. Got a 16. That hits. 
uh, with another 16. That one misses, <laughs> strangely. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and another 11 damage. So that is uh, 11, 22, uh, 24 damage. All right. At the end of your turn, legendary action. They've recharged since Rex got to go. Um, here we go. 11. Uh, that does not hit. All right. So you are able to block the ice axe with your your spear, which is uh, currently radiating of like you know light energy this is the one that was blessed by the angel so mm -hmm. it, it counters the magic axe expertly and we're back to trey in all right uh after taking those two fiery swords uh hits trans just like i think it's time for you to cool off a bit man <laughs> and uh and to engage us in another barrage of attacks let's see 16 which will hit um the damage this round is going to be ice damage across the board. Uh, go ahead and do a con save for me. Let's see if uh, let's see if I can get a stunning strike this time. Uh, twelve. Mm. So twelve would fail against the uh, stunning strike unless he has something to nullify that. He does have a legendary resistance. When I fail, I can choose to succeed. All which right. Is important for a boss like this who can otherwise be stun locked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's that's good to know. <laughs> um, second attack, uh, 16 again. So sorry, the first two attacks um, do eight and eight ice damage, respectively. So that's 16 ice damage. One more key spent to do flurry of blows. Uh, that's an 11. I'm going to assume that misses. Correct. And 24 for another 10 ice damage. So Trayan does a series of four attacks doing a total of uh, 26 ice damage now against Rex. And Gort, to spoil the fun, will set Trayan on fire again for an extra d6 damage. Okay. Uh, uh, did it not push the result? There. I, I rolled a d6. Uh, we got a, another six in there. So that is then a total of... 26 ice damage and six fire damage. All right, that's sick. So you start uh, punching and kicking and spinning, and you're just doing an ice uh, style dance fight now. And so there's all the burning limbs you've shattered, and now there's a bunch of frozen ones. Uh, and Rex seems pretty upset by this and kind of roars to the sky with a dozen mouths uh, and says, Curse you, dragons. And it is uh it is your turn, Gladys. This this guy looks pretty pretty weak. Alright, I think this time Gladys is going to see if she can hit this guy with Ray of Sickness. Let's roll for that. Nineteen. Alright. She pulls out this little bottle of like green potion, and, and when she unpops the cork, it like makes a little cartoon smoke poof of a skull, and then it, like, magically, like, spurts out toward him for 15 damage. Every time someone uses Ray of Sickness, I wish we had the rights to Disturbs down to Sickness, because I would love <laughs> to drop the <laughs> after the damage roll every time. 
That would rock. <laughs> you pop open the bottle and it just makes that noise before it does the attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Perfect. Um, uh, so normally this do- isn't how this mechanic works, but on Dice Funk, even with a spell as uh, you know damaging as Ray of Sickness, I'm going to give you the choice, lethal or non-lethal. My gut says non-lethal, so that's what I'm choosing. All right, so why don't you paint me a picture of uh, winning this fight without killing Rex the Hecatonkeries? All right, I think Gladys uh, sees uh, Rex like yelling out into the sky and takes this chance to pop open her potion, and the green like potion of Ray of Sickness like lashes out toward him, and. I think for non-lethal, this would probably be like, it, it, instead of like going like into like his like orifices or whatever, that, that like it's just like kind of like a surface level like poison damage that like affects like all of his limbs and stuff and then he collapses. Yeah, so I could definitely see like a ray lashing out and like, you know, boiling the skin on some of his hands. Like he might have like skeletal hands going forward, which is, I think, a cool uh, thing for there to be a, a giant out there with skeletal hands roaming the landscape. That's pretty metal. Oh, congratulations, little one. You did a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> Says the panda hater. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to leave that shit in about pandas. You can't reference. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm sorry. Damn, we can just erase that part then. <laughs> we made this so confusing. Um, uh. Yeah, so Rex retreats, I think, probably dropping a couple of the, the big giant-sized weapons, uh, taking the fire sword, the ice axe, uh, clearly from a fire giant and an ice giant, that he was on his journey with, but um, just just as a consequence of losing this fight, uh, he he will be less dangerous if you run into him again. Ugh. I mean, he got a few good hits in there. Ugh. But by any chance, he he made those marks on his like arm, right when he was um, uh, when he was like threatening to kill us. Correct. Uh, did did that arm happen to drop onto the ground? I mean, that sounds more interesting than the alternative, so I think yes. So Throg is going to very pointedly walk over to the mark that he, uh, to the arm that he marked with dirt, and then just wipe out those two temporary marks he made. Uh huh. And then leave it at that. Just, I think Gladys is just going to like put put the cork back on the empty bottle, like store it maybe where she keeps the ones that have been used for to, for like cleaning and like repreparing spells later and just goes just has this like sigh of relief like whoo i i i hope we don't see him again anytime soon even if we do maybe he'll think twice before just starting a fight like that good shooting there gladys thank you good looking out you know, I can't be just murdering anyone who starts a, a fight in these places. I'll get a reputation. So I'm glad you stepped in, sent him packing. Yeah, like what, what, once once he instigated it, like I, I, I didn't want to kill him or anything, but I 
wanted to make sure that he knew we're not to be messed with, she says, kind of unsuredly, but like, y you can tell that she's trying to be a little confident about getting the last hit in. Red says, uh, well, between you and me, I kind of feel bad for the guy, you know? He lost all his all his friends. He's kind of alone up here. Can't go back, you know, empty-handed, if he would even survive the journey. So, and she, like, you know, looks to the east where he's, you know, running off. <laughs> Half his hands having been boiled with poison. And she just kind of looks kind of sad. And it's like, wish things could have turned out different. Throg will kind of shrug and go, we gave him options to not fight. If he stayed, he could have maybe worked with the town to extract ore. He's a gigantic man. He could have easily hauled tons and tons of metal. Found a life here. He chose his path and reaped the results. That, them's, that's just how it goes sometimes. There is ancient dragon saying, it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> It don't have to be that way, but sometime it do. What's that baseball card? They don't think it be like it is, but it do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ancient draconic saying. Uh, Tran will look to the uh, the elves and looks to the uh, the drow and like offers like a fist bump, you know, kind of gesture. Yes, this drow who has so far has only smiled eerily at Gladys and hasn't said anything. A fist bumps you, but is still maintaining eye con contact with Gladys. <laughs> um, and and you know, proceed. It does other sort of like congratulatory gestures towards the other elves a bit. Uh, after all that, um, just but and train then just grabs at his side a little bit. Uh jeez. Well. <clears throat> With that being dealt with, uh, so what's going to happen around here now? See, that's a great question, because the thing about Pants for Pets LLC is that they were wanted for murder in episode two. And so they didn't really get a time to, like, chill and hang and vibe. Uh, I hope Dragon Quest is going to be more, like, campaigns to uh, study to. <laughs> um, and, and we'll... We'll be able to have some friends. So actually what I want is the three of you to tell me how you explore this uh, environment. And each of you, I want a different role and uh, a different elf that you hang out with. Uh, you, you sided with the elves. You didn't have to. Uh, and uh, that that's how it shook out. And so there's one for each of you. I think uh, Red will hang around for a little bit, but uh, she doesn't know shit about metal and doesn't seem interested in learning. So she's not really going to be... Uh, you know, testing anything. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to the others to make their choice. Though they they could pick they could pick their teammates first, uh, and I'll just go with whoever's left over. I I think Gladys has to go with the drow. I think that's the funniest <laughs> option here. I th I th Not to pressure I'm, you, but I feel like it's the correct option. I'm imagining like Throg and Trayan like teaming up with the other two elves and just like comedically leaving Gladys like six feet away from the drow and and, and she and she just kind of hides behind her notebook looking up at him like okay we, I can make this work. <laughs> so what do you want to roll to survey 
uh, the ecosystem with the, with the drow before we get into your interactions? I think because Gladys is an alchemist, she'd be really interested in what like the unique magical properties, if any, of these uh, metals could be for like uh, use in like artificing and like alchemical spell production. So I would be using an Arcana check. All right, sounds great. Eighteen. Incredible. Uh, so you start walking uh, with the drow, and this isn't like immediately after this fight. Everyone gets to roll uh, hit dice to heal, uh, and it's it, you know there's a montage quality to this, which uh, kind of implies that this takes place over days or weeks, uh, because none of you are in a rush right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no reason for you not to uh, be comfortable and sociable <laughs> with with other people. Um, but as you go out on these surveys with this drow, they're doing the same thing, which is like smiling, like all teeth, uh, just like <laughs> in a way that is um, like Pennywise the clown, basically. <laughs> oh, oh, no, it's Tim Curry the drow. Um, I almost want to change the drow's name to Tim Curry now. <laughs> um, but I think if you go out on like two or three different journeys and they just are smiling at you the whole time as you take notes and like take little metal scrapings and you're, you know, combining things to do little tests to see like the purity and stuff. And they're just not saying anything in a really creepy way. But after like three times, he just like cracks up and like can't dig it anymore. And it's just like, I'm sorry. I'm just fucking with you. My name's Bronco. I'm normal. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask. I didn't want to ask because I thought that might be rude. Like, I don't, I, I didn't know if you were like mute or if you just didn't want to talk to me but like went along anyways but like it, it, it's it's good to know your i knew already knew your name but it's nice to meet you yeah uh, sorry uh growing up in uh you know draft society men are usually seen not heard so i got used to not talking i know i can talk now no one cares uh but it was just it's a habit and then it, it creeps people out so i kind of <laughs> i thought it was funny i'm i'm, I'm I, sh- I apologize that was unnecessary <laughs> i think <laughs> i think the um tension being broken like that like i think uh the laughter is probably in character like yeah, no it's 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 fine i i i kind of get that i i know i can uh get into habits like that sometime myself like sometimes i'd rather just write down things than actually engage with talking to the people around me also because all of my equipment is you know handed down from the church of Lolf, it's a lot of it is intimidation based so before i know if i can trust somebody it's always best to keep them off you know, balance and never sure if they should turn their back. And that kind of gives me the upper hand. So yeah, I got, I've got, you know, this and this, and he's just like pointing to his wand and his, his, you know, armor and his helmet. And it's just telling you about all of them are, are enchanted to strike uh, fear into his enemies. Just Gladys is listening to this and nodding and, and maybe taking like a note or two, but like, she, she's just like, that's very interesting. I, I am uh, well-versed in enchanting uh, objects to make them do whatever you want with them. And hearing about ones that might have been enchanted by such a ancient god like Loth, that's very fascinating. 
Yeah. And you, you talk about this some. I, I, I want to like uh, cut to your journal where you are making all the notes about the medals and so forth. And with an 18 on Arcana, you uh, understand that all these are like pure uh, structures of individual medals, which we talked about before, but that they're, they would be particularly good for uh, spell components. Like there are spells that call for like iron or uh, some other kind of metal in, in them that they would be like, oh, a particularly potent uh, spell component. <laughs> it occurs to me, uh, is uh, Arcana the best role for economics? Because the market is kind of magic when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> because um, obviously having a bunch of metal is valuable. <laughs> like no one's saying like there aren't mining tycoons, um, but the, the, the labor required uh, to get this stuff usable will be significant. You will have to be, uh, you know, making a significant investment here in like labor and forges. It's like a whole process to do stuff with metal. Uh, so mm. it's not like you can just, you know, cut off a chip and be like, hey, I made a sword. Yeah. You know, Gl Gladys has been thinking about that. Like, it's not like she can just dig into the metal a little bit and, and, and just... You know, I got some iron for X spells. Like, realizing that it could be, like, a whole big operation is intimidating, but I think that she's also so interested in the spell component usage that if she got some help on figuring out how to pitch that, like, she, like, she, she would want to be able to, like investigate this to its like magical like extreme like potential another thing I, I think it fits into this discussion uh is that you know some metals are poisonous like metal poisoning is a thing uh, and so obviously you don't want uh too much of this stuff getting into your body whether you know like i i don't think any of you are just like i'm gonna lick it to see if it <laughs> it tastes good uh but that that is a concern uh here is like you don't want to start doing heavy industry and breathing in like iron dust I, I i am uh curious uh bronco like uh what brought you into the expedition with like the other elves that you've been traveling with. I know I was brought in because of my chronic note taking. Just, I, I, I'm very, uh, like, conscientious. I'm very conscientious about everything that I think should be. You're a big nerd. <laughs> I'm a very big nerd, people tell me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there aren't a lot of job opportunities for people like me uh, back in, in the city. So when uh, the elves are getting together an expedition to come up here and check things, it was like, who's the the strongest disposable person? Which isn't a, isn't a great feeling, I guess, but it's better than um, being like a human footstool in the capital. That does sound like the better option, at least. Ugh. When we got here, uh, there were people in the center village or whatever trying to figure out what to name the place. Um, and I thought it'd be funny to suggest new Menzo Benzeraban. Uh, I don't know if you get that joke. I think it's lost <laughs> on me. Sorry. It's fine. Uh, it's a drow thing. Um, but so, so the dwarves didn't like my joke and uh, we kind of got into it. So, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. Yeah, it's, it's it seems like naming such an important place is probably I might even think it's not going to be settled in our lifetimes but who knows 
Well, I guess it might depend on who's better at stabbing. Uh, luckily, we are pretty good at it. You guys were pretty impressive when we had to uh, fight off that Rex guy a bit back. Yeah, what do you think he's up to? Uh, which direction did Rex, Rex go off in? Uh, east. Uh, I imagine probably recuperating, maybe looking for another area that might have resources that would be useful for recouping the losses that he went through. I It feels like such a waste to fight over this whole place. I hope maybe he could at least find team members again, figure something out. Yeah. It'd be pretty funny if just over that hill there to the east, there's just like a mountain made of painkiller. Probably needs that. <laughs> uh, he's gonna he's gonna kill all those uh, multi-arm spider things and take their arms to replace his. You leave Zorplax alone. <laughs> <laughs> They're precious. <laughs> yeah, they have very precious limbs that he needs. Oh, <laughs> oh, that would be really disturbing. Uh, speaking to you, Dan, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, how do you look around here? Who are you hanging out with? Uh, I guess I can hang out with the, the leader red lady. Um, I think what Throg would be doing in this scenario, if he's trying to be useful, is that they, they need to set up a mine here. Mines require infrastructure. They would have to have probably have some sort of on-site staff at all times, so there would need to be places for housing. Uh, so I'd like to rule survival to sort of get a lay of the land of where nearby sources of water are, uh, good places to source food, resources, things like that. The best spot to put like a, a, a main building, a warehouse, uh, defensible locations, that sort of thing. All right. Okay. Uh, and that'll roll survival. Let's see what I get here. I got a 22. Holy Christ. I mean, that nice. that really fits with uh, you meticulously laying that out out of character. I'm going to drop a map of Arabella again here. Uh, some of this information we know from Pants for Pets LLC, so you don't know that in character. But for through scouting the area, you can see that the mine, uh, the mine biome does abut uh, a sea. So, like, there is water here that would be very useful for transportation, of any materials that is a that's a classic thing when you learn about like the development of economies is like whoever has water access wins because that's how you get things around <laughs> that's how you become a a superpower uh, is by shipping your goods around so that that's that's an important thing but as far as like the actual uh geography of the biome uh it is pretty inhospitable it is really dedicated to these these plateaus of of the metals, the base metals. There's not like grass. There's not like food. Uh, there's not really animals. You got a 22. So I'm going to say you might be able to find an animal here, but then you three are going to need to tell me what it is. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's basically no resources here other than metal, really. I would suggest that there, there's cases of animals in the real world that eat, uh, eat or ingest or like build themselves off of actual metal, 
metals, like there's snails that incorporate iron into their shells. I think there's, with the limited resources there are here, there's probably some sort of creature that is gnawing at and chewing on these metals and processing them into their, like, maybe carapace or bodies. Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind is obviously the rust monster from D&D, and we can definitely get down with that uh this uh with the 22 i do want to give you carte blanche to get weird with it i know you've uh voiced your opposition to the zorplak so you don't <laughs> have to get that weird with it um but do you do you want to do big snails do you want to do when you say carapace that that opens up a lot of possibilities like i don't know metal turtles or something Oh gosh! Uh, so I, I, the term that comes to my head is like turtle knights. So it's like turtles and termites at the same time, and their shells become an amalgamation of the metals that they burrow through or work off of. I'm afraid we're gonna reinvent Blastoise. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I was thinking about reinventing Geodude here, but with human big molars, like just a big rock with like human teeth. A uh, bit like a rock with uh, two eye, like just two beady eyes in it. Big muscly arms, so it can scale upwards uh, like these plateaus, and then just roll off of them when it's done. Uh, and rip chunks of stone out of the walls, and then grind up with gigantic flat molars that it only has no no incisors, no nothing, just giant molars. Mm. Now, unfortunately, we already have invented cool Geodude TM. <laughs> it's a registered trademark of Dice Funk, the cool Geodude. So mm. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Shit. Back to the drawing board, boys. I don't know. What, so, I, don't, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think the, of any other ideas. Yeah. The snail thing made me think of like, um, like this little. Kind of similar to the turtle termite idea, but like, like a little metallic snail that like can like crawl into the crevices of these like pure mineral buttes and 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 just kind of like burrow into them and make like their little snail homes in there. It, you could we could sort of combine a couple of these. What if it's a snail that's like sort of projectile vomiting like essentially superheated acids onto the metals to melt them down to ingest it to then incorporate into its shell which then i think also opens up a way you can get access to some of these um these metals easier because if you start killing the snails to get the shells you it cuts out a little bit of the middleman of high uh having to um to mine everything out what if you could harvest the shells without killing them, though? So it was almost like you're shearing sheep for the wool, but you're like somehow getting the shell without killing the snail, and it just grows a new one. It kind of makes me think of like hermit hermit crabs, like being able to like move to new shells. Mm, mm, mm. Like they're more like slugs, but they have like mineral deposit shells that build up over time. So I'm putting a picture of the scaly foot gastropod into the chat. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, oh. this is literally the thing that exists. Well, this this keeps happening in the season as we try to make something <laughs> extremely cool. It just exists. Oh, I was I was a hundred percent calling that out when I was thinking about this. Also known as the volcano snail. That's sick. That's fucking dope. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, these are the snails that are literally uh, incorporate iron into their shells. These are badass. Um, to make it more fantasy. 
Um, do we want to give them Blastoise as cannons? Because <laughs> I'm really stuck on Blastoise. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's a defense mechanism. So basically, it not only creates a shell, but it creates a, a gun, basically a cannon <laughs> on its back, and and then takes it takes the waste the the like the impure metals and forms ball, and its waste structure is just it shooting the cannon off at its enemies. So I I, th- I think it should have it should have two cannons. Uh, maybe maybe these are just cut. You know what? I think it has to shoot it out of its eye stocks to make it even worse. Oh no! Um, <laughs> okay, so do we like eye eye stock guns, or what if they just naturally grow a Glock, just like a yeah. branded? It still has the brand name on it. <laughs> do you think Glo- uh, Glock a Glock. <laughs> but what, what I think it should probably do is that on the it's using like. One as a way to expel like a secretion to be able to break down the the materials into a method that it can like digest, and then it's just expelling hot slag out of the other the other stock as a uh, as a defense mechanism. Wait, so it has a a mouth stock and a butt stock? Is that what you're telling? Effectively, me? yes. If we're going with Glockstrapod. Do you think Red thinks that's what her like gun gauntlet thing is made of? Because she wouldn't have context for where that came from. Yeah, I mean, she would probably have to, in her back of her mind, suspect some kind of connection. But because uh, how she actually got it was someone from the pre-apocalypse world finding this uh, artifact and gifting it to her. Uh, I don't think she thinks it's from the snails up here, but she definitely would have questions. It'd be weird. <laughs> definitely. Right, right. That That's right. It would be like someone in the Pokemon world. Uh, who had like fights with the sword in like samurai times, like in the Arceus game, coming across the sword Pokemon and mm-hmm. being like, "Oh fuck, which one came first? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but with a twenty-two, I actually think something additional is going to happen here. But before we get to it, uh, you were you were walking around with Justine, mm-hmm. who I think earlier uh, it feels like months ago <laughs> you referred to as the Red Woman. She's actually green right now. She's I'm red, her, green, uh, colorblind. It's fine. Okay, she's oh she's she's brownish gray to you, <laughs> actually. Um, I don't actually is that how it looks? Uh, explaining what it's like to be colorblind is basically impossible because I'm trying to explain things I can't see. Uh, for the audience, though, yeah, her her skin turns green, her her eyes turn green. Uh, it's not just color too; like there's an effect of like uh, you know where uh, there's like a little bit of frost on her when she's winter form, like a crumply leaf, like almost texture to her hair when she's in autumn form. There are other subtle signs, but mm-hmm. she's looking for like water and food in this environment. And so it's a it's a spring type of excursion as you you're walking around and you come across these f- fucking weird uh snails are do we are we calling them uh volcano snails like the real ones do you have a cool extra name for them i thought glockstrapod was the the name we landed on <laughs> yeah same okay. <laughs> okay that's how that's how the show goes sometimes is you invent the glockstrapod <laughs> um i yeah how does this how does this work do you see it first you got a 22 so i I want you to control the 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 scene i i think um uh throg was uh taking uh taking a stroll around the area to get a get a, a survey of things and gort had climbed onto what he thought was a boulder and then the boulder started moving 
All right. So the, this uh, Glockstrapod is trying to Grand Theft Drake you uh, and take your your companion. Um, and Justine runs over. She has this iridescent axe. Uh, and she begins just, like striking at this creature who is apparently kidnapping your your dog <laughs> dragon. Uh, and it's just the axe, even though it is uh, magically sharp. It's this extremely uh, powerful magical weapon. It just bounces uselessly off this uh, thing's cool carapace. And she just says, like, curses! It's indestructible! Um, how, how fast does this thing move? Because I'm imagining a snail. It's very slowly kidnapping my dragon. Or my drake. Yeah, that... Sorry, yeah, that was the... That's the comedic angle I was going for, is that she's extremely overreacting to this one-mile-per-hour heist. I th- you know what? I think Gord is incredibly distressed by this. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, I think Throg will sort of just walk up and look at it, and at this point, can he tell that it's, like, some sort of snail? As it, it, I imagine it's probably extruded its body to move around. Yeah. It appears to be... Some sort of snail? But what is it eating? There's nothing here. There's no vegetation. Justine says, it must be trying to eat your dog. We got to save it. And she, uh, you know, with all her might, two hands swings the axe. It bounces off the shell and the bounce, you know, the blade, the, the back of the blade, like bonks her in the forehead. <laughs> like someone shooting a shotgun for the first time and just slapping themselves in the nose. I think I think Throg will sort of just reach up and scruff Gort by the back of his neck and pull him off of the snail. Or not even really pull him off, just lift him up like a foot into the air. So you save your your Drake and she is kind of embarrassed. She has smacked herself in the face with her axe and she turns blue uh, into her winter form uh, sitting on the ground, uh, embarrassed. Uh... <laughs> A throg will chuckle and offer a hand to uh, to lift her back up. Yeah, uh, you you pull her back up, and she, she's still blue for the moment, but she's like looking around and uh, uh, watching the the <laughs> Glockstrapod. I in my mind, I was like, that can't be it. <laughs> I'm gonna say this out loud with my mouth. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. You gotta say Zorplak. I love the mouthfeel of Zorplak. I'm just gonna say it. It's fun to say to my friends and family. Uh, but the Glockstrapod starts doing what we discussed, where it has like a stalk that it uses to uh, melt metal and ingest it, and then a stalk it can use as a, like uh, an evacuation weapon. And so you observe this behavior. Uh, uh, Throg will sort of stroke his, uh, his chin uh, tentacles and go, interesting. The beast feeds off the metals here. Justine says... That'll probably be useful if we can, yeah, you know, look at them. She just like trails off sadly. She's like thinking all the things you said earlier about it, but. Throggle slap her on the, on the shoulder friendly and do not be embarrassed. I've done many a silly thing in the woods before. Thankfully, Gort does not speak English (laughs) or common. So actually, with your 22, I want to give you something additional here, and plus this cool animal, which is that uh, you see the snail uh, just going up the vertical surface, up the side of the the butte, which so far you have not been able to see the tops of any of these because the the walls are sheer. but because this thing is made of metal and it just can go up vertical surfaces, uh, it, it almost looks to you just like a rising handhold. 
Um, and with a 22, I think the, the thing I want to reveal about this scene is that if you want to see the tops of these plateaus, you can ride one of these snails up if you so uh, chose. Ab- absolutely. And I've got a climb speed that should at least help me hang on to this. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is the uh, kind of the most mechanically interesting thing about this scene, uh, in addition to the comedy and the, the horror we've inflicted, uh, which is uh, you can just kind of hold on to uh, a, a Glockster pod and ride it to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and w- while this is happening, I think he'll be shouting to Justine saying, you know, if you could collect this slime it extrudes, it could speed up processing. You wouldn't need the snail itself. You would sort of have to milk it like a cow. Oh no! <laughs> she t- Don't say she's, it like that. She somehow turns bluer. She's very upset. Um, <laughs> she says that that is good information. I guess you know we've we've accomplished something up here. I don't know how we're gonna get a bunch of miners to get up the mountain, but I guess that's not my problem. I'm sure this little cobalt will figure something out. She's smart, does logistics. So at this point, you're like passing up, like at where you all have to like shout to each other, uh, because uh, each of these uh, the mesas are are pretty tall. I just literally googled it while we were speaking. Devil's Tower uh, is five thousand feet above sea level. So mm-hmm. eventually, uh, you you are no longer able to to speak to each other as you ride up uh, this this creature. Uh, how how does this feel for you being up this high and like looking around? Um, so I I think uh, Throg is an old man and he's sort of past his prime. Uh, and I, I mentioned in the last episode uh, that I think that maybe Gort is like his replacement companion, like he had raised one before this. Uh, and I, I think his previous companion probably was an adult Drake that he did fly around on at least at one point in his younger years. So he's probably used to heights at this point. He's also been living in the living in the um, the woods and nature for a long time. So he's probably been maybe not up this high, but he, this is something he's sort of acclimated to. Uh, I like that. So you're the you feel the wind on your face, and there's like a sense of peace. You're looking out over nature. Um, there's just you know these buttes as far as you can see. To a point, there is uh you know the ocean to the to the northeast, and it's uh it's gorgeous. Like there's crystal clear blue water that you you saw earlier, and you were thinking about you know the economic implications of water access, but now it's just like pure beauty. Um. And it's just, it's hard to overstate, like, how much this place can blow you away with its pure physical majesty. Um, mm-hmm. and, and with that, uh, the, the Glockstrapod pulls you onto the surface. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything up here that it looks like it might have been trying to get to? Or is it just a, a empty tabletop with a beautiful vista? The reason I gave this to you with a 22 is because you discover the most valuable thing to discover here, which is um, on the top of this butte, uh, you just like, well, look around. It's mostly just this pure base metal. Um, probably uh, uh, if anybody has a favorite metal you want to shout out, I can establish that. Uh, but I was going to say iron. Does anyone have any uh, any metals that speak to you? Uh, base metals. I need to get a list of base metals. <laughs> uh-huh. I I really wanted to ship post and say talc. Uh, examples include iron, nickel, lead, and zinc. Copper is also considered a base metal. 
Uh, I mean, who who doesn't love some good lead? (laughs) Does bismuth count? One list says bismuth count. I like bismuth. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency has a list that includes iron and steel, aluminum, tin, tungsten, molybdenum, tantalum, cobalt, bismuth. Yeah, there it is, bismuth. I'd I'd say iron. The the safety and sureness of iron. All right. Bismuth is so fucking cool looking. It feels like cheating. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But it's your role, so you get to pick. If you want just stout, uh, good old iron, never loses. Yeah, I think think good old iron in this case. Good old iron. What you find on top of this uh, mesa is a door in the ground. Uh, it's a just a huge double doors, um, and it has all kinds of carvings and markings on it. Uh, you speak so many languages. Uh, can you read them to me? Celestial, common, draconic, giant, primordial, and sylvan. Oh, uh, it's none of those. Okay. Oh. Uh, but but there are markings on this door in a language you do not speak, um, and that there appears to be uh, just a, a symbol of a pickaxe in addition to the writing. Uh, but you do not know how to open this this door. But it's in the ground, so it's almost like you know if 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 it did open underneath you, you would fall. Uh, but it does does not have an, any obvious mechanism. I'm going to try something then. Uh, I am going to cast speak with animals to talk to the snail. <laughs> oh God damn it! I'm um, <laughs> I'm figuring that the uh, the the snail has a bit of a uh, the glocken. <laughs> <laughs> the Glockspot has a bit of like a chain smoking sort of like yeah, his, going his on. name just... is and his name is Smith and Wesson. <laughs> what? Just as one word, Smith Wesson, yeah. Uh all right, sketch you play Smith and Wesson, the, the Glockstrapod. Yeah, I don't have any lore information. This is just an animal, so feel free. Man, uh, li- listen, hey, li- oh, what do you want, man? I just you know gave you a ride on up to the top of this thing. What do you want from me now? I thank you, fair snail. Uh, can you tell me, creature, who built this door? Were there people here before us? Uh, the Glockspot will just be like, as far as I know, that's just part of the, of the, that's just part of the surface here. It's always been here, so. Hmm. Thank you, fair snail. Uh, you said that this was a, uh, just like a door with no natural, like, no seam on it or like a handle or anything? It, correct. It does not appear to have any mechanism for opening. You've presented a door, which is the uh, the bane of any adventuring party. Uh, <laughs> they will spend sessions trying to open that door now. We're doomed. I was about to say, everyone clear your schedules. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> this will be the rest of Dragon Quest. <sighs> okay. And there's no like pickaxe nearby I can put against the symbol or anything like that? There is not, no. I got a feeling I probably should have taken Dwarven as a language if I had to take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave you with the mystery of the door. Traian, uh, the only elf left is the, uh, you know, what might be called a wood elf or, you know, a, a traditional elf uh, who has, a, she has a piccolo. Uh, she appears to be a bard of some sort. Uh, what are you rolling to look around? You're, you're, okay. So, um, as an ascended dragon monk, one of the things that Trayan has available to him is a feature called Wings Unfurled, where if he uses a key to use his Step of the Wind 
uh, monk feature, which allows him to, to dash as a bonus action, he unfurls spectral draconic wings that gives him a flight speed equal to his walking speed until the end of his turn. And he can do that a few times per rest. So I guess... I, I, I guess thinking back to what the what the check is going to be, I think it's just going to be Train is going to be just looking around with Sid to see if he can just notice anything unusual to try to either climb after or even fly after to investigate closer. So perception was the answer that's, to that question. That's the answer to the question. Yes, perception. <laughs> okay. Uh, he rolls a ten, just an, an average result. All right, so once again, you're, you probably go out on multiple trips to, to look around and to take everything in. You're not in any big hurry, uh, but every time you go out, you summon these spectral wings. And I, I, you can paint me more of a picture in a sec, but I think something interesting that happens is that uh, Sid plays a couple of notes on her piccolo and just floats up off the ground with the spell Fly. Mm. Which is something she can cast, and so you can you can kind of have this uh, uh, adventure soaring through the air with each other. And this wasn't planned. You didn't really know that she could do this, and I forgot that you could do that. So I, I like the idea of you all like bouncing from from butte to butte with a ten. Um, that's average. I don't think you can find any more than your party members who who rolled very well could find. But I, I think you you can you know see in the distance uh, Throg finding that door, and that that, that definitely. Uh, spark some conversation and get back to camp. But um, what, what's the conversation like? That's some that's some nice little playing you're doing there on that uh, on that piccolo there. What what type of song is that, Sid? Uh, we had, what was that image we had? It was um uh, the gnome music. Fuck. Oh shoot. And <laughs> gnome music genres meme. <laughs> oh gnome core, like gnome core, whatever that it is. It's just like oh yeah, oh, like sh- like gnome music, and then all the subgenres that only gnomes know. Yeah, that that like 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 oh shit, I forget what all the gnome genres are. Damn it. Or or it could just be the gnome music from RuneScape. <laughs> it it was uh yeah, I found the list. Oh, that was some classic flower violence. I'm I'm really more of a mushroom house style musician uh with uh you know dipping into meadow punk from time to time uh but mm. to cast fly you really have to to tap into you know flower violence that that's uh, the vibe you want to be on can't say i heard of any of those then again most of what i've been listening to has been part of the the circles i've been practicing in lately before well before the trip up here that is what does that mean? What are circles? Uh, well, it it it's re- it relates to how I learned how to fight. Uh, the bozogs I trained with. Uh, the way that you practice is you circle up. The people on the outside play drums, sing songs, and things like that, and then everyone takes turns going inside the circle and basically spar and fighting each other in time with the music. So, and we would just do that for uh, an hour, few at a time every day. First time I went in there, I got, you know, I got the shit kicked out of me pretty quickly because I was just not really following the rhythm much. But over time, you just line up with it and you sort of get into a zone. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of feel the music inside all the time. I played a Bozog gig once. They're those, like, the weird uh, bird people right and the, yeah with the feathers and the uh they were really into uh tree wave 
uh, which isn't really my genre, but they 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 went nuts for it. Yeah, well they they sure like they sure like their kicking. They sure like to dance, and they uh, they're very boisterous, and so that's always been that was a that's where I well learned how to fight the way I do. It was sort of my way of uh, dealing with the the orders from above to be a a fighter for my community. Yeah, we have Justine for that. I'm actually something of a I mean, not to brag, a famous bard, you know, my ventures. You may you may have read uh my my book. Uh I don't you know. It's not a big deal. Uh I'm pretty sure it's a a, a vicious book, but I'm not much of a reading type, so uh, I She looks sad. She looks upset that you're not a fan of her book. <laughs> I'm I, I I it's not that I would dislike it i just i'm i'm bad at reading you have to you have to understand what do you how do you be bad at reading you just look at the words and then they go into your brain hi i'm Trey, and i'm 25 and i never learned how to fucking read <laughs> <laughs> i also I just, I just realized i had left it they don't think it is be like it is but it do picture in the roll 20 and i cracked myself up <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Trans like I, I just I, I learn better by watching others do and kind of doing the same things myself, and that's a uh, that's kind of how I learned. But I, I all I just really want to do is just make other people happy, you know. Guess is why I'm up here. Yeah, happiness is very marketable. If if you have any uh, happy things you want to you know get out there for me to write a song about. I will credit you. Uh, I guess we could use an alias if you if you don't want to use your real name. I mean, you could use my real name. That's fine. I mean, I could if we get back to camp, I could show you all the the prizes I've gotten from the the tournaments I've been in. I'm pretty proud of those. You brought trophies on it, it, on the up the mountain <laughs> with your limited pack space. That's what you okay. Well, they're they're not that big. I mean, I got my I got my my bronze necklace, my bronze ring, my bronze bracelet, my bronze uh, tiara, my bronze uh, certificate of participation. Just got the all those things. They, they they fit pretty nicely in my duffel bag. She she's like looking away from you now, and just like you hear her under her breath mutter like, "Ah, uh, the ballad of the loser." No, the ballad of the failure. <laughs> She's like composing to herself. <laughs> the loser's lament. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and she, she she's just like playing a couple notes, be like, no, sadder, more pathetic. I love my, my muse. You make me so sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and all, all the all the while, like Trey just like like looks very happy for himself that he has these bronze uh, prizes that he has brought up with brought up the mountain with him. Yeah, so Sid explains to you that, you know, the uh, other two are, like, really good at um, martial fighting and magic fighting, respectively, um, and that they have powerful magical items. But she's along to just document this, to, you know, to make the definitive cultural statement about Arabella. Um, and she she is a talented, you know, magical bard, but that's really what she is about. Um, and then you you go back, and this, the whole conversation, we should remind you, flying from butte to butte, it's kind of a... Mm-hmm. I can show you the world, but not romantic. Uh, <laughs> and then you all go back and, and talk things through. We were seeing montage, time passing. You all are having, you know, 
a good time and you're getting to know each other. Um, and then Throg is like, yo, I found a door. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess if we're just returning to camp after, what is it? Uh, I'm sure Tran was surprised to see Throg on top of a mountain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Throg returns to camp and says, um, I have discovered two things. One, snail would shoot hot slag out of butt. And two, door. What makes... What... Is it... A door? <laughs> what makes... Door. What makes it... Here's my question. Do you bring the elven party to the door, or is this purely Dragon Quest? Um... In the time we've spent with them, do they seem as like, like essentially like the angels who are like, no, nah, I'm absolutely here to take over everything I can right now. Fuck you. Get off my land. I'm guessing not based off of how we've sort of cooperated a bit here. Insight roll. Oh, dear. Uh-huh. Let's see. Folks, uh, we'd love to see it. Should it just be a throg making the roll or like... Could whoever could, whoever like, would like to know. Okay. Tran rolls and rolls a seventeen. Yeah. I got a three. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's a, botch. a I think that's yeah, that's a one. I got an eighteen. Okay, so the party succeeds. So the thing I want to say is that you all are uh, you have your wits about you enough to know that while these people may be uh, genial, you know they're, they're nice enough. They also are driven by their own agenda. There's definitely a world where you were moved by Rex's tr- you know tragic circumstance and you know stood up for him against them, and they were like, whatever, we're just gonna kill you. In fact, Red told you they started you know, fighting in the central settlement and were literally kicked out for like stabbing people. So like they, they will throw down. One of them has a huge ax and one of them is carrying a a helmet that strikes fear into your soul and casts like, you know, acid magic. So, you know, they're not like great people (laughs) to everyone all the time. Um, that, that is what I'll say here. You, uh, whether or not they could be trusted, I would say boils down to whether it is, uh, useful and beneficial. Uh, for example, Sid wants to tell the the most uh, epic bardic story about this journey, and so if the door turns out to be epic and bardic, yeah, like she will do anything to get that. If it's a boring door to some shit that sucks, she doesn't care. Okay, uh, I guess my read on the situation then is Throg. Um, he's at least a couple times now tried to preach the idea of cooperation. And leaving them out of it might not necessarily uh, be helpful or beneficial. And there's no way to know what's behind this door at the time being. Uh, so he will he will tell it, uh, bring it up to them as well. Now you botched. I'm trying. Does anybody have an idea for the consequence? Because usually on a botch, it's like you trip over your own dick or you <laughs> tr- break an item. I, I, my my suspicion is that the party overall succeeds, but Throg at the very least suspects one of the elves is going to be a traitor. And that's one option I thought of. Um, or um, he thinks one of them is attracted to him. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think Throg is going to be thinking, ah, yes, they want to fuck me. The no, 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 no. Throg, 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 Throg does not reciprocate the feelings. He just <laughs> suspects one of them is infatuated with him. Actually, I know I know the what you said about the traitor is interesting. I 
I think the direction I will take this is that you all get the correct uh, impression by pooling your notes, but Throg, your 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 botch basically means that you have been um, uh, loose with details around them that you probably shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. You mentioned some stuff that might give them reason to betray you in the future. So it's like uh, right now you all realize that like they're not an immediate threat to you. They seem cool enough, but like uh, you know the dramatic irony, the situational irony is that Throg may have given them a reason, and that the other the other two people, Gladys and Trayan, like don't know that Throg may have fucked you. Uh, can I make a potential suggestion then? Of course. Uh, for what that information may be. So Throg is an old warrior who is, this is probably his final campaign, so to speak. Uh, but he's likely been on others in the in the past. And maybe he had done something in the past that put where dragons were at odds with elves. All right. So you do you tell them yes or no? I'll, I'll go with yes. Let's make it interesting. All right, so Dragon Quest and Elf Quest uh, meet at the the door on top of the Iron Butte. What do you do? Um, so I imagine we probably had to ride uh, what, the snails to get up here, at least for most of uh, some of us. Yeah, some uh, of you can fly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throg is going to attempt to convince the snail to melt the area surrounding the door. Unless one of these elves speaks whatever fucking, or anyone in the party speaks whatever language is, is on this goddamn door. <laughs> is it abyssal by chance? It is not. Damn. I, I, I will say that during this whole time, Sid has convinced Trayan to be wearing some of his bronze, like, items to get inspiration for the ba- for the uh, Ballad of the Failure or whatever it is, and Trayan just does not recognize that's what's going on there, so he's just, like, has, like, the the pendant, like, his neck, uh, his, you know, bronze necklace and uh, tiara on this whole time. <laughs> um, Throg, uh, a- animal handling. Okay, let's see what I got here. Fourteen. Oh, okay. So I was looking for a fifteen for this to succeed cleanly. Mm-hmm. Um, here, ooh, okay. I know exactly what happens, which is that um, uh, Sid, the bard, is going to give you bardic inspiration, actually. Okay. And so she plays a little tune and gives you a, a wink, um, and it's just like under her breath, she's like, "This will make a great song." Um, <laughs> <and so, laughs> And so you you uh, coax the uh, the <laughs> Glockster pot. It gets me every time into melting the a door, which is funny because like there was something written on it, which was the directions that had to open it. Uh, but instead, uh, it melts away. Everyone, dexterity saving throw. As uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to melt the area around the door to just pry it up and bypass it, but that works uh-huh. too, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. because yeah, the the Glockster pod melts all around the uh, edges, and the whole thing starts crumbling inward. I got a twenty. Um, got a ten. Uh, Trayan botches with a, he rolls a nine, but he botched. So oh, 
Alright, so with a botch, what happens is uh, the Glockstrapod starts melting away the edges of the big door uh, in the butte, and uh, it gets like halfway done, and the structural integrity of this thing is compromised. And so instead of just being able to lift it out seamlessly like you had hoped, um, like halfway through the melting process, the door collapses in and causes like a sinkhole effect as the surface of the butte collapses. Um, and some of you have the, the dexterity to jump back, but Trey and botches. So what happens here, I think, is that uh, even though you have good reflexes, uh, Sid, the bard, um, is like a little too close. Maybe she gets like splashed with acid from the, the Glockstrapod and like jumps back and bumps into you. And the two of you are unable to flee the crumbling ground as the door caves in and drags a number, uh, a, a, a huge section of the iron butte down, down, down into this hole that you have created in this structure. And as you, the rest of you watch on in horror, uh, Treyan and Sid tumble into the darkness, uh, disappearing completely. Uh, as they fall into an abyss, which, as far as you know, ends thousands of feet below. <laughs>